0: Hey everyone, it's your host Pepe with a new episode of Minority Landlords Podcast. I'm super psyched for this new episode because it's one of the areas that affect most people from either getting started or scaling their real estate business. There are many, many different ways to finance real estate deals. And as we know, financing real estate can be tricky sometimes. Hence why I always ask people to be proactive and be very engaged in this process. You'll need to really pay attention to the financing options that you have and see what's best for you and your current situation. Before, I've talked about FHA and whatnot. And in this episode, I'll be discussing all the other ways, the different ways you can finance real estate deals. You'd be surprised there's a lot of creative ways to finance a real estate deal. There's ways you can even buy a deal with 0% down payment. Yes, you had that right zero percent down payment or what's also known as seller financing i'll go through 10 different ways to finance real estate deals i keep getting asked about this so here we are after this episode you should have an understanding of how real estate investors fund their deals so i'll go ahead and list for you guys the 10 different things i'll discuss here and then we'll dive more deeper into them number one all cash you can buy all cash obviously Number two, FHA, I've talked about that several times. Number three, VA loans, I've talked about this several times. Number four, conventional mortgages, I've talked about this as well. There's also portfolio lending, there's seller financing, there's hard hard money lending and private money, there's commercial loans, there's home equity loans or home equity lines of credit, there's partnerships as well, and I'm sure there's other ways too, but These are 10 that I would like to focus on since they are the most used methods. So let's get started in breaking them down. Number one, cash. This is for folks that follow Dave Ramsey method, which I think, quite frankly, it's ridiculous because leverage should be your biggest, best friend. Real estate being an asset rather than a liability, obviously, if you buy correctly. And here, when we talk, we are talking about real estate. We are talking about buying real estate that will be producing you income, multifamilies and whatnot. In these cases, I strongly believe there's no problem with using leverage to buy real estate. Leverage is basically free money being given to you, especially if you get it at a low rate and keep an eye on your numbers to ensure that you are able to cash flow after all expenses are paid by the tenants. For those that do not believe in leverage, that's okay. You can buy in cash For most people, it's very hard to scale when buying with cash unless you are Jeff Bezos or come from a super ultra wealthy family. Also, you might think buying with cash will help you pocket the majority of the rental income since you won't have to pay mortgages and interest. But guess what? In a long term, the return won't be as good enough compared to if you had used leverage. Look at Mark Zuckerberg. Most of you all know him, the founder and CEO of Facebook. He's a billionaire, multi-multi-billionaire and I remember in 2012 he was all over the news for refinancing his home mortgage at about 1% rate or something like that. You might ask yourself, why would a multi-billionaire have a mortgage? It's because when you can borrow at an interest rate that's below the rate of inflation, you're essentially borrowing money for free. That's free money. And in today's low rate, How about use that money you would use to buy straight out cash and use it to purchase more and several properties or make other investments that will give you better return. So yeah, leverage is king that even the ultra, ultra rich use daily to accelerate their wealth. So what are you worrying worrying about? You should also leverage. Number two, FHA. I've talked about this a bazillion of times. FHA which stands for Federal Housing Association, is an easy, easy way to get started. I keep telling you folks, you only have to put 3.5% down payment to buy one to four units with very minimal credit score required as well. If all you first time home buyers aren't utilizing this product, then you are missing out. Great financing means to start with. Take advantage of the low down payments and the better terms. Nothing beats that. And I keep telling you, all that's the best, best way to get started because the down payment, again, is smaller than the conventional mortgages and other means. You only need a FICO score of 580 plus and a 3.5% down payment. If your FICO score is 500 to 579, then you need to put a 10% down payment. So please get your credit up. If it's if it's crazy low, pay a credit repair company to help you bring your credit up because it will save you tons of money. The other FHA requirement is only 31% and 43%. This means the monthly housing payment should not exceed 31% of your gross monthly income, while the total debt debt burden should not exceed 43% of your monthly income. I've been asked if you can have more more than one FHA loans, and the answer is, is it it depends you all keep asking me i've 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 gotten this question several couple of times they can only allow this in certain circumstances such as the family size or if you are, you, you you are getting it due to a job relocation in a completely different place like let's say 100 miles away or more standard is one fha loan at a time but you can have multiple in your lifetime but you need to refinance the existing fha to a conventional Mortgage then get a new one with a good reason. You have to have a really good reasoning in order to have more than one FHA loan at a time Also just an FYI you can only use FHA loan as an owner occupied property not as an investment property But after a year you can move out and leave it as an investment property All right, so the third things I'll talk about I've talked about this as well is VA loan It's a great loan for service members and veterans So VA loan does not have any credit requirement, but it depends on the lender you use. As always, you'll know the better your credit, the better the lending terms you'll have, right? The better lending terms will be. You'll also have to use it as a primary residence, just like FHA. And you can't use it to buy investment properties. So keep in mind, there's funding fees with VA loan. Usually if you are an active duty, it's like a 25 one five percent of the purchase price for your first VA loan and 3.3 percent for subsequent VA loans. It does not have PMI like FHA, which does have it. PMI basically just like a mortgage insurance, usually it's like a couple hundred dollars you have to pay every month with your mortgage. It's also have a max of one to four units, just like FHA. So, great deal, but of course, for amazing veterans or service members I personally think for what veterans do for all those military folks out there they should be able to even purchase investment homes with a VA loan but sadly I think even I would join the military because of that if they made it that you can buy investment homes with VA loans so yeah you can only buy owner occupied properties with VA loans and you have to be in the military all right So the fourth one is conventional mortgages. Conventional mortgages, basically, they are the loans that are not guaranteed or insured by the federal government. And most of them are mortgages that meet the requirement to be sold to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Basically, what Freddie and Fannie Mae do as a government-sponsored enterprise is that they purchase the mortgage from lenders, then they sell them to investors. And conventional financing is a little bit harder Just keep in mind, it's a little bit harder than that of FHA due to their high credit score requirements and a minimum of 620 credit score in order to to obtain it. And also, they have a debt income ratio of 50% 50 or lower. So you have to check that with your lender as well. If it's a single family home, you only need to put down a down payment of 5%. There's a chance to put a 3% down payment if it's your first home but it depends on several different factors. Typically, sure deal is 5% if you are not a first-time home buyer or you are not using the Home Ready program or Home Possible, which is for low-income folks. And if it's multiple units, starting with a duplex, it's usually 15% down payment. If it's a triplex, it's 20% down payment and so on. So make sure you check with your lender if you can qualify for Home Ready and home possible programs because they can allow you to put in very low down payments based on your on your financial situation. The good thing about this is you can have up to 10 of these mortgages, you can have up to 10 different properties, meaning that let's say if you house hack a single family property every year, you can get up to 10 with having to put only 5% down payment. However, if you have multiple units, it can be higher, just keep in mind. Like I said, 15% for a duplex and it goes up from there. If it's a second home, even if it's a single family, just keep in mind, you'll have to put down a 10% down payment. The other thing you have to to keep in mind as well is if you put less than 20% down payment on these conventional products, you'll have to pay what's called private mortgage insurance, PMI. This basically protects the lender in case you default on the loan. I personally don't care about the PMI because they are not that substantial. They're just usually a couple hundred bucks added to your mortgage every every month. The other thing you have to keep in mind as well is there's a limit of the loan size with these conventional means. It, changes, it usually changes every year or so, so check these guidelines or ask your loan officer. Last time I checked for, for 2021, The limit is five forty eight thousand two hundred fifty dollars. So another requirement also you have to keep in mind for financing is appraisal just as an FYI. With these conventional mortgages, they require appraisal and you'll see that a lot with even the other different different financing methods. All right. so number five is portfolio lending some of you might not have heard of this but some banks especially credit unions have the ability to lend from their own funds so sometimes their loan their loan terms can be pretty sweet actually since it's for individual credit union or bank not a really common though it's not a really common financing mean but it does happen you won't see it being advertised but if you call the banks or credit unions they can tell you if they do that and most of them do so just pick up that phone look up the banks or credit unions in your area and ask them about portfolio lending especially credit unions a lot of times they have really great deals so pick up their phone and call them the other thing seller financing this is not too common also but sometimes can happen instead of the bank or other lending institutions financing a property an owner f- sometimes can finance it and Instead of paying the bank, you are paying the property owner a monthly payment or whatever you all agree upon. One thing, though, to keep in mind and why it's very uncommon is because in order for the owner to do owner financing, the home have to have been fully paid off and fully owned by the seller in order for the owner to to do that to avoid foreclosure on the property. This can be good for folks who don't qualify for traditional mortgages and those who want to skip their lengthy mortgage process. But like I said, finding owner financing finance deals is very hard, so don't have your hopes so high. But it's it's out there, and if you're a go-getter and willing to find those, you will. The other, the other one I would like to discuss is hard money lenders. There's a bunch of them out there. This is a financing that's obtained from a private business or individual, basically. I'm not a fan of these, even though they are easy to obtain, but the interest rates are way higher than normal. Usually, it's about 8 to 15% or even more. And the terms are very short. Usually, they're due in six six months to three years instead of the traditional mortgage, which, which is usually 30 years. And a lot of folks that use these, usually you hear flippers or those that have properties that need rehab also the loans you have to keep in mind too the loans have fees are, and, and those fees are very very higher than usual and it, it's like i said it's super easy to get these usually it just take like few days because no income or credit verification a lot of time is needed and a lot of time, but still the interest rate, the high fees, and a very short time period make it not good for those like me who are trying to buy tanky properties for a long-term whole strategy. The other one, similar thing to hard money, but it's a it's a little bit different, and it's it, it's a little bit of a better, in my opinion, is private money lenders. These are basically individuals and they they are not professionals, they're just individuals that are willing to fund deals for an agreed term. A lot of time this is better because both you and the the lender can negotiate the terms such as the length, interest rate, and whatnot that you guys agree upon. But before jumping into hard money and private lending, make sure you do your homework and research further and carefully, very very carefully. Since this is not a traditional lending mechanism, you don't want to get screwed. So I would suggest for you all to have a lawyer ready to look into the terms to ensure that you don't get screwed. All right. The eighth thing I'd like to discuss is commercial loans. This is for for you all that are trying to buy properties with over four units, like me who's doing syndications, you will likely have to take out commercial loan. This one. I have several of them. The interest rates are usually slightly higher and the fees are higher as well and the terms are a little bit lower. But but good thing about this one is they do not care a lot about your debt to income like other residential stuff do. And like, like we know in residential lending, DTI, the debt to income ratio is highly valued. But in this case, they only look mainly at the income the property is producing and base their lending on that. So they will look at your income and other financial indicators, but they will mainly focus more on what the property itself is producing in order for them to have an idea of, of whether or not the income producing will be able to cover all the mortgages and the other expenses. So I, I personally really love commercial loans because of that, because sometimes as you, you have so many properties in your portfolio, sometimes your DTI can be a little bit, it can be a mess. So... With them not caring about debt-to-income ratio, I think in spite of the a little bit of a higher interest rates and whatnot, I think they're really great because as, as long as you make your numbers work for those, it should be fine. Number nine is home equity loans and lines of credit. Right? If you have an existing primary resident, let's say, or a rental property already, you can tap into that equity and get cash that can help you purchase another property. And banks offer several products, and my favorite one is the HELOC, which stands from Home Equity Line of Credit. This is an actual lump sum cash you take out of your home or your, your home's equity. And works somewhat like a credit card if you look at it. You can borrow money up to a certain credit limit set by the lender and then pay them back the borrowed amounts along with the interest. The interest, again, can be a little bit high, so just pay attention to that so you don't find yourself paying so much. And the lender typically uses your home as a guarantor or collateral that will pay back the money you borrowed. Basically, they're saying, we'll hold this if you don't pay it. So usually if you have an existing property, it's very easy to get cash through that. And it's easier to do it with unoccupied primary residence, just so you know. You can do this with multi-family properties too, but the terms can be a little bit harder since the lenders see you more riskier than if you're just doing it with an owner-occupied property. Last but not least, it's partnerships. Partnership is another great way of financing real estate deals. You can use partners' money to fund the whole cost or just to assist with the down payment. And they usually would receive only a percentage of what the property generates and maybe some equity in the property, depending on what you all agree upon. It all depends on your signed agreement, but make sure to have your lawyer involved to draft this agreement to prevent the he says, she says. All right, and there you have it. 10 different ways to finance the deal. Most people keep thinking there's just typical traditional methods. No, no, there's a bunch, bunch of other ways out there to go by it. You've got to research, connect with people, and be very active and creative in this business in order to end up not losing your money or... Finding yourself involved in a bad financial situation. You'll need to keep in mind to be successful in real estate, you gotta be creative in many ways. Yes, you can get by by just doing the bare minimum, but after a deal or two, that won't cut it. You've gotta be creative and research and utilize different creative methods that will help you scale. Just like in everything in life, you gotta work hard, you gotta work hard for it. Nothing in life comes easy, folks. As a millennial, I know we live in an instant gratification society and also live in a society where hard work is looked at as a bad thing. Everything in life you gotta work, you gotta put in the work. Your marriage, relationships, jobs, and so on. I don't care what you say, but real estate entrepreneurship is not for lazy people. Even marriage and relationships are not for lazy people. So basically, That means everything in life is not for lazy people, especially if you want to do that thing well. You've got to put in the work. If you work hard, you will be rewarded. Like Benjamin in the Bible, it says he's a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. And in the evening, he divides the spoil. I know we live in an age of self-care. Self-care is great, but after you do something, There's a bunch of people out there trying to have self-care when you haven't done any work. There's an old African proverb that says, A man who does no hard work will never know the value of rest. We need to stop chilling and put in the work because once we chill after a hard harvest, boy, does it feel great. You have to put in the work. Use your God-given gifts and talents to be creative and turn it into something great. All right, guys, until next time, stay hungry. Thank you for listening to Minority Landlords Podcast. Please like and subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes so that we can reach as many people as possible. We will appreciate it if you tell your friends and family, too, about the podcast. Also, visit us at MinorityLandlords.com.